0: Welcome to Talk About It Outdoors, live in the Wilson Studio, episode 28, and it's going to be a fun filled night. We've got legendary duck caller, turkey hunter, Jim Ronkest with Turkeys for Tomorrow and RT Calls, and it's going to be a good one. Stay tuned because we're about to get with it.
1: What's going on, Nick? Not much, man. What you doing? Glad to be back in the studio. (laughs) We're getting this music thing. We're trying it
0: left and right, and I think that's going to be a pretty good one. So, our main man, the formidable social media expert himself, has rejoined the ranks with us. He's back from his trip out west, Cody. It's good to have you back across from me, buddy. Glad to be back. Excited to be
2: here as always, and uh, looking forward to this one. It's going to be good. How mr was, vacation yeah mr vacation
0: Did he put his request into you on that
1: no i still ain't seen it yeah i just
2: slept out the back when y'all went looking <laughs> Had to go get some bread as uh derek said yeah that's right well how was your trip it was good had a lot of a lot of fun and uh where did yeah, y'all go we go uh we go west of denver a lot over towards Silverthorne, and uh spent a lot of time out there riding around blm land and checking things out and had a cool experience um Got to see some mountain lines this this time riding around on that BLM land. It was a lot of fun, but we just did some kind of family stuff, did some tubing and stuff, hanging out, and it was a, it was a good trip. We had a, we had a lot of fun.
0: Glad to be back though. We're glad to have you back with us, and and as always, I'm glad to be here. And Nick, it's good to be back with you, Cadence over here. Punching away on his phone as usual, as most of these kids today do. We might have, we might have him come on and talk a little bit if he wants to tonight. But without further ado, I'm gonna welcome Mr. Jim, aka Jimbo, Jim Ronquest with turkeys for tomorrow and R and T calls. As I said, he's out in Arkansas and he's come on with us tonight to flat talk about it, and I'm excited for yeah,
1: it. Yeah, we're gonna get some turkey hunting talk. We I I I had seen I guess they had started this back a little while ago. I don't know the the how long ago they started it, but I seen this posted on Facebook, and I reached out to him. Jimbo was more than glad to come on. So, Jimbo, welcome
3: to the show. Hey, boys! Thanks for having me. I'm proud to be here.
0: What's it? You you know you you boys out in Arkansas talk a lot like us Georgia boys too. I like that.
3: <laughs> we ought to be able to understand each other anyway. That's right.
0: We had some guys on from out in uh, Utah last week. And uh, the, the first thing we got to at the end of the show was, he said, I'll be honest with you, Alex, when I first got on the phone with you, I couldn't understand a word you was saying. I thought you were speaking Chinese.
3: I get that a lot. I tell you one, we was coming back from a road trip in North Dakota many years ago. Me and a buddy of mine, we was up there on the video trip during duck season. we come back through, hungry late at night. We stopped to a McDonald's drive through in like Fargo, North Dakota, and, and they talk kind of different up there themselves. So we went through the drive-thru, and we ordered, like, two double-quarter pounders of cheese, large diet Dr. Pepper, and large fries, whatever. I mean, we got around to the pickup window, there's four little 16-year-old girls with their hands over their mouths laughing at me. That's the way they talk. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, it's funny wherever you go in the country how folks talk different, and they say say different words, but, it, you know, you get that southern drawl in there. You know you're talking to some good folks, so
3: Yes, sir. That that's correct.
0: Well, as as we go into this thing, uh, Jimbo, I want to kind of let Nick drive it. He's the one that kind of set up with you. He's going to ask some of the questions we got for you. We're going to talk about turkeys for tomorrow and let everybody know what you're doing with it. And then we can move into some of your waterfowl history, and uh, we'll we'll just go. We're just going to sit here and talk about it. That's all we want to do. I would just say, Jim,
1: Jimbo, just kind of introduce yourself about and what what the turkeys are for. Turkeys for tomorrow is all about.
3: You bet. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, of course y'all got my name, Jim Ronquist. Most folks call me Jimbo. Um, uh, I kind of come from more of the waterfowl side industry wise. I work for R&T calls and produce a TV show called RNTV that uh, we just got done finishing the duck season and shooting video for our 16th, 16th season of national television. Uh, but way back in the day, I got my start with video stuff through turkey things and I'm. Passionate about spring turkey hunting is I am duck hunt, uh, so kind of got my start in the video world as a Primos Pro Staff guy. Work kind of the first guy I worked with there. First road trip with Primos as a Pro Staff member was Ron Jolly. So Jolly and I are co-chairs of turkeys for Tomorrow. Together, Jolly's driving a little more than I am. Uh, for not a little more, a lot more. But but we're co-chairs of this thing, and we're trying to get it up and running. Uh, kind of some boots on the ground, grassroots, directed towards the American American wild turkey. Uh, turkeys for tomorrow is we, we're not out there competing with anybody. We're not trying to be anything but us. And we, over the past few years, since the early 2000s, we've all noticed a slight decline in our turkey population. Places where y'all may would go listen to. 10, 15 goblers in the morning you may only be here in four or five and we're trying to find a reason for that we had a kind of an old get together last summer at the white oak plantation in tuskegee alabama and it, it was jolly and a bunch of old hands from the early premost days and we'd all hunted together and done stuff at different times a couple outdoor riders all people that were good friends we just hadn't been together in a while and part of that get together besides cooking crawfish and catfish and drinking beers, and going fishing and swapping lies and tails and hunts from the past and just normal catching up is Dolly wanted to have kind of a serious get together with everybody on that Saturday afternoon and kind of went around the table asking folks what they had been seeing, you know, what, what, what's going on, what, in their mind, are they seeing in the parts of the country that they travel at? And that kind of turned into a story that Jolly wrote called, if it's not us, who? And the whole point to that was to ask questions. You know, what can we do to ask questions? Where's the problem at? Who do we, who do we ask them to and what are they? And, if you get a chance, you can go to our website and look that up and read that. I won't go over all of it here for the sake of time, but uh, we got into about silviculture, about, you know, one of my biggest things was hunt hunting traditions and ethics. So, you know, we all come from old school backgrounds, going to Turkey on the Limb, and Jeffing him up, and sure, it's fine to use decoys, but what does modern – everything we do from the outdoor industry – From flippers and flappers and motorized decoys and all that. How does that affect the turkey resource? So we started asking all these questions. And that kind of turned into the idea well, maybe we start a social media page and we start asking questions. And then that turned into well, if we're going to be able to be accredited, we're going to have to be an organized group, which that turned into a nonprofit LLC, which turned into a nonprofit LLC with a 501c3. Nonprofit designation from the IRS, so now we're we're a real deal NGO. And for all y'all that hear the NGOs around the country, it, I had to look it up to understand it. But it's a non governmental organization. Uh, it, it, if you donate money to us as we do things, this is tax deductible. So that's kind of a cool thing that we've been able to do. And one of our things, and i have probably rattling too long here for y'all but one one of our things is we would like to work of course with universities and other folks as you read our mission statement you'll learn about it but we want to work directly with the state agencies because when you get right down to it you look at the wildlife restoration act or the pittman robertson fund each individual state is tasked tasked with keeping wildlife on the ground so Say we, as we get some capital, we're just a fledgling organization. Our website's not been up two weeks yet. But as we get some capital and able to do something, we would like to work through a group called the Southeastern Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. Within that group, they have a group called the Wild Turkey Working Group. So the Wild Turkey Working Group is made up of state biologists from around the country and along with different universities like Dr. Mike Chamberlain and Dr. Brett Collier. Um, Dr. Doug Osborne from University of Arkansas Monticello, just to name a few, along with each individual state biologist, w- along working with them, we'd like to identify projects that we can apply money to. Along with that, we would like to sign a memorandum of understanding with each state that they have to apply the three one matching $8 from Pittman Robertson to those dollars. So that gives us a four time multiplier. So if we aren't able to invest $1,000, if they agree to that and take our money and are able to get the Pitt and Robertson grant, that turns that $1,000 into 4000 So that's kind of the way we want to work, to try to work with the folks that's out there looking at turkey problems, trying to put more turkeys on the ground for us turkey hunters to have the opportunity to enjoy and chase for not only now, but for our future, for our kids and our grandkids. And I heard y'all mention that you've got a young man in the studio with you tonight. I want him to be able to see and do and get the same opportunities I did. And, and that's what Turkey for tomorrow is all about Turkey for tomorrow.
1: Uh, yeah, I get that. And, and that makes perfect sense. And, and I'm sure that's probably, you're probably looking at a huge mountain to climb, trying to get out to all these state um, biologists and try to get with them and get their numbers. But, um,
3: and that's the beauty of SEPA, the Southeastern Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies, and the Wild Turkey Working Group. We got a one-person contact there. Um, with that, we just had a board meeting yesterday, and um, we, we've again we've got just a little bit of money, but man, a little bit can go a long way. So Jolly was getting in touch with them today, and we're going to start trying to decide on what our first project is going to be. So that's what it's all about. That's what we're out there for. We're you know. I make my job in, in the duck hunting world. Um, nobody's making anything off of TFT. so we're going to try to make, get it to where we can start doing something for the wild turkey resource as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I, you know, you said something about you wasn't trying to compete, and I had seen you guys had when you first started your Facebook page, and I believe somebody was commenting, you know, that, of course, it always social media. They were kind of bashing, saying that you were kind of trying to, take part of the NWTF, but that's not, that's not what you guys are part of. And, and, and I, I seen a couple of the responses on there. So I seen where you were going with that.
3: No, heck no. But thank you for saying that. Look, we need the NWTF, the stuff they do outreach wise, the stuff they do, the habitat wise, the stuff they do alongside of us is important. The education they do, you know, save the habitat, save the hunt. That's all great stuff. Um, the stuff they do. I I used to at one time mess around with contest turkey calling. I've been a contest duck caller. Uh, The stuff they do to support that, to help keep those traditions and history of of the calling contest going, we got to have. I'm a life member of the NWTF, and that won't change. Uh, We just think turkeys for tomorrow is something we can do to complement and enhance the NWTF and let us work in our own direction and let them work in their own direction, and together, we can do better things for the wild turkey. Well, let me
1: ask you this, uh, Jimbo. Let me um, just say I'm just myself, just a normal turkey hunter from Georgia. What is what is possibly one to two to three things that I could do to help improve my habitat around here for turkeys? Or anybody that may be listening to that, what's what's just some easy tips that they can do? And,
3: uh, you know, if, you, if you're a landowner, pay attention to your habitat. You know, if, if you're a hay farmer, uh, here's the big one. I, and I know it's it, it's tough for a lot of guys, especially in, in our part of the world. A lot of times, your first hay cutting is when there's nests on the ground. Try to delay your hay cutting to make sure all, all the folks are hatched and they're moving on. That's one. Two, predator control. Um, there ain't near as many people trapping nowadays as there used to be. I mean, how many guys do you know? And I'm sure y'all know some as I do. Um, we've got a game board buddy here, it's a big coon hunter. But do you know the amount of coon hunters that you did say 15, 20 years ago? No, um, no, no. <laughs> absolutely there, there's not. There's one right there. That, you know, how many people do you know trap? Man, when I was in high school, me and some buddies, we run some traps, and I had some buddies more serious than I am. They they'd run a trap line every day, paying for extra money or hunt license, and wanting to buy a new gun or you know put a set of mud grips on the truck, whatever it was. They was trapping, and there's not as much as that goes on as it used to be. Um, anything like that you can do to help on the ground is beneficial to the wild turkey. Again, and other predators, coyotes, coons, possums, skunks. we talked about that. You know, go coyote hunt. Take up coyote hunt at night until you get to the point where you might be um, messing up your turkey. Again, look at your, make sure that's legal amongst your state regulations. because every state's different. So I'm not saying go out there and be an outlaw and do anything illegal. Don't do that. But within within reason, an ability try to reduce predators. Try to plant stuff that's good for turkeys, whether it be suet or whether it be hot food. Um, you know, sometimes a little corn patch off in the woods will help them out. Um, you also got to be careful there because a lot of places you're able to feed deer, like free choice feeders and whatnot. Kind of the problem with that is. It's sure turkeys and deer and stuff will go use them, but it also becomes a predator hotbed. They're pretty smart at realizing that, hey, if these turkeys always come here to eat this corn, if I just hang out I'm gonna catch one with its head down and I wanna have me a turkey sandwich. So that and spreads disease because or can spread disease, let me rephrase that can spread disease because the densities are higher in that one area. So, you know, be careful of your feed setup, um, or supplemental feeding. Provide more natural food, more natural cover. Brood cover is another huge thing. Having areas with good aerial cover for them little ones to go hide in. You know, we lose a lot of turkey poults to hawks, mouths, and whatnot because we don't have cover. In my part of the world here in big ag country, we'll have some big, large tracts of hardwood, and it's just automatically here's the edge of the woods and here's the rice field. We don't have a lot of edge cover. So if you can promote that edge cover, and a few blackberry thickets here and there for the turkeys to get in and hide. You'll do turkeys a good job. Yeah,
1: that that makes a lot of sense. I know there's, there's. I mean, when we were in high school, we're only in our mid-thirties, Jimbo, but we're in high school, man. We all we all run dogs. But now I, I don't know if I know maybe one person that runs dogs. And yeah. like you said, I you know I got I just got a little piece of land here where I live, and we run. I run a little supplemental feed just to see the deer and the turkey in my yard. But we do have a few coons, but more people getting into coyote hunting, it seems like nowadays. These boys here, Cody and Alex, they both they both coyote hunt a pretty good bit. So I, I see where, good. I, I see where you're coming from. Um, you know, I, I think probably the biggest hurdle and, and and maybe it shouldn't be, because I used to not have a problem back when I was in high school. I think the biggest hurdle I may have is going out and killing something like a, a possum or a, a raccoon, something I'm not gonna eat, you know? And and I yeah. think that's the biggest hurdle I get over. I mean, even though I do want to hunt those turkeys in the years to come, sometimes that that kind of weighs in the back of my mind. I'm, I'm sure it does. Nice. I'm sure it does a lot of people. You know, we don't we're not going out here just to kill stuff.
3: Um, that's, man, that's a really good point. In what I would say to that, is, is find ways to use that fur. Yeah, stretch that fur, tan it. There is still a little bit of fur industry out there. Um, learn learn to skin them, learn to tan them, scrape them hides, and you can go get your money back and And use that money to buy traps, buy turkey hunt license or to buy uh buy some seed for food plot or something like that effect yeah um but it is it, the other thing it gets into you mentioned being your age and probably got young is around it's a time factor and man nowadays everybody's so busy um you know with with sports and jobs and extra jobs and um you, you podcast and everything else you do takes time. So, um again, that's maybe where, where Turkeys for Tomorrow comes in. We're not a membership organization, but you can go to our website. You can donate. You become a different level partner. And we can capitalize on that to help do stuff with the folks who can in individual areas to try to help our turkeys out.
2: Yeah, and going back going back to the pelts and, <clears throat> as Nick was saying, not really knowing what to do with them, I know when Alex and I were hunting some of these coyote competitions, we personally didn't want the pelts, but there was a couple different, uh, it was a gentleman and a lady, actually, that would just show up and they would take everything for free. So there may be some resources out there, somebody that will, you know, if you go out and trap a coon or you shoot a coon or whatever, they may they may come get it for free. You know, I don't know, that may be something –
1: Wonder if that's something, Jimbo? I mean, if you guys are going out to look at stuff like that, I wonder if finding somebody that would take that fur at no cost or or minimal cost, I wonder if you guys could track that and put like a call list, state by state, on your websites.
3: I, it, 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 I'm googling it right now as we talk. <laughs> so that's that's a wonderful idea. Matter of fact, I'm gonna make another chat. One of our board members, two of our board members, Jim Spencer and his wife. Jill Spencer or Jill Easton, when you read what you read her, they're both outdoor riders and big time trappers. They're really big in the trapping side of things, too, along with being traveling turkey hunters. Um, I want to talk to them about that because that is a fantastic idea. Um. See, there you ought to help me more than I'm helping you.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I just,
2: I just remember that because there was a lady that would come there, and some of the pelts were ruined, you know, just because of being shot up or manged or, or whatever the case. But she would get probably I would say sixty to seventy percent of the pelts, and then you know the rest of were sto- disposed of properly. But um, yeah, that's definitely something that would that would get me out. Yeah, you shoot more. You know,
1: you, you know when we had we uh, recently we had a. Um, um, Georgia deer wildlife biologist, uh, Charlie Killmaster, on the episode. And he told us that I believe he said, don't no, quote me to this, that I believe there was less than 100 licensed trappers in the state of Georgia. And, and that's very low compared to the amount of people. I'd like, to,
3: know, I'd like to see what that number was. in the, in even as, as short time goes to midnight, you know, I'd like to see what the difference is.
1: Yeah, and his, big, his biggest thing was, was talking about the fur price being down so low.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm. I'm kind of looking that up. I'm just wondering if there's something to that. That's a fantastic idea.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, I think that would be something that people could get get into. You know, getting behind something like that. Um, do you think the do you think the raccoon is probably the biggest nest predator?
3: Man, I don't think he, I don't necessarily say he's the biggest, but combined with a with a possum and a skunk and an armadillo
0: they wear them out pretty hard yeah and there ain't nobody hunting armadillos for fun <laughs> but i hey no. i'm all i'm all about now i'm all about taking out some predators so if y'all need me start hammering them farms on some armadillos just holler at me nick i got you dog
1: i'll put
3: them to the ground we don't have them go ahead i, I you, you ever shot armadillo with a .22 rifle? I shot one with a 9mm in
0: the shell and thought I was going to die because it ricocheted <laughs> off of it. <laughs> there
1: you go.
0: That's my point. I ain't kidding you. They're, and and people can say they ain't here yet.
1: Cody will tell you, I yep. killed one in the backyard uh, trying
0: to dig under the wood pile
2: uh, they're,
1: <laughs> they're moving up here to North Georgia. We got them pretty bad down south. But,
2: but I, I, I was telling Nick this as well, talking about nest predators, Um, possums. I, I personally... Used to hate possums and everything, but as I got older and educated myself with possums, I know for us in Georgia, you know, ticks can get pretty bad. And I know the statistics on possums—they eat like five thousand ticks in a season. So it's hard for me to just run out there and kill. I'm like weighing my odds. Like, man, ticks are pretty bad too, and so they're taking care
0: of them. But problem it, is, is what what you and I coming up, Nick? How many coons did you kill when we went coon hunting?
1: I almost shoot everyone I've seen.
0: I never shot a coon because there wasn't that many here then. Yeah, There just wasn't. You didn't tree that many coons. But what's happened is is nobody's killing them anymore. Nobody's trapping them. People's brought them in from South Georgia. Or they've trapped them in neighborhoods. They bring them out to the rural areas, and it's absolutely hurting the t- turkey population just like the coyotes do. But if we find an outlet like you guys are talking about to get rid of those pelts, I don't want to just kill something and be killing it. Unless it's coyote or crow, and I hate them both with a passion. <laughs> but that's the thing; yeah, it, you, you, that's a big topic to talk on, and, and maybe y'all can continue that discussion and, and build off that.
1: It is.
3: Maybe, maybe you no. Know, it's certainly something to think about. I've made a note about it and been thinking about it. Like you, I have no issue shooting coyotes, um or crow. There, crow's another nest predator. Um, there's quite a few others. Now, same time, you got to keep bound You know, that's that's one thing you got to think about Mother Nature and Part of conservation is the wise use of our natural resources, which is different than preservation, which is to preserve everything. But because we live here too, it's always a fine line of balance between too much or not enough. So we got we got to keep a balance out there. That being said, we're we the, the scales are tilted towards the predator side, and the turkeys don't quite have the chance that they once had. And I think that's a big part of it. But habitat's a big part of it also. Just um, the groceries on the ground, the habits, the brood habitat for them little ones to go hide and stay away from hawks and owls. And you don't want to go shooting hawks and owls, folks. I just tell you, it's not good for you. No. Uh, <laughs> you will get in trouble. Yes. Uh, so don't do that. But again, if you got proper habitat, Mother Nature will take care of them if the habitat's there. Yeah,
1: I believe so. What do you... What do you what's your... I'm guilty of this, but what's your takes going off the predators, going off people using fans and gobbler decoys? Do you think that has had a
3: big impact over the last several years? I don't know. That's just another great question. I don't know how big an impact it's had, but it certainly had an impact. So I I was suffice it to say that there's people harvested mature longbeards fanning and reefing. That may not have would have in a traditional turkey hunting setup. Okay. Now, where you get where you get in a bind there is you start. You, you could you could argue, and I'm not arguing either side, but you could make a good argument that person said, "Well, I don't know how to call, but just give me an opportunity to go turkey hunting, and I wouldn't have bought a turkey tag if I couldn't have done it like this, and I really enjoyed what I did, and there, there, I, I start getting wishy-washy about telling people how they can and cannot hunt. I mean, who am I Who am I to tell you how to hunt as long as what you're doing is within the
1: law? I, I agree 100%. And I know that's a fine line that you want to walk down, and I want to walk down to it. That's kind of why I asked it the way I did. but Because a lot of people, you know, some people like it, some people don't like it, and I get it. But like you said, by all means, if it's legal to use and until it becomes illegal, people are still going to continue to use it.
3: They will. And you got to think about your ethics there. And that's kind of part of my question to turkey hunting. You know, it, 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 how big of an effect is that? And, and at which point is that either ethical or not ethical? And we fight it in the waterfowl world with spinning wing decoy. At one time, it was hugely, hugely successful. Or, you know, it just worked. And I can't prove this. Uh, I, I can go back and pull the show and look at when it was done. And again, I can't prove it, but I believe we, R-N-T-V, was one of the first people to show that reaping on television. Uh, we had a deal rigged up. We got some video with three guys behind his fan decoy sneaking up on the turkey. They snuck up on a bunch of them, and here come four beards and they just raised up and shot them all. Uh, you know, that's way different than than uh sitting the turkey on a limb and yapping him up. That being said, it was certainly legal. And them guys got a hoot out of it. But then when they got back and started thinking about it, they was like, man, what did we just do? You know, so um, again, I'm not going to tell another man how to hunt within the legal binds of the law. Or if I said that right, With legally hunt. I'm not going to tell you how to do that. I'm just going to sit here and just say, y'all, just think about what you're doing and if that's good for the resource or not.
2: Yeah, and, and Nick and I touched on this um the other day. We were just talking about casual conversation and I had mentioned, you know, taking a kid, for example, you know, trying to get a kid, you know, on a turkey at a young age. It it definitely makes it a lot easier if you have a good setup and you can set up a decoy rather than trying to, you know, maybe listen for one to gobble and chase it and, and get into position with a kid. So I, I definitely, you know, I'm on board with what y'all are saying, I think use it wisely and ethically, you know, and be smart about when to use it and when not.
3: I think that's well said. Well said. Nothing wrong with putting decoys out in front of you at all. I I don't see anything with that. Just, again, be sensible about it. Make it work. And you want, bottom line, you want that young person to enjoy the hunt. And if they're successful, that much better. You, You can always teach them more as they move up into the hunting world but if they're successful and they have a good time, they're going to want to do it again and again. And as they get older, they want to make sure if they have kids, they want their kids to do it. So bottom line, get them encouraged, get them in the outdoors, try to teach them right the best we can and show them a good time. But yet, teach them how to hunt. That's right. I can remember a story with my dad. Y'all appreciate this. Um, I, You know, I been getting up, you know, I don't know, freshman, sophomore, high school, you know, I got I a lot of turkeys with my dad, hunted with my dad a lot, who was a great turkey hunter. I remember one morning we hunt big, pretty spot, and he was up on this ridge, and turkeys started gobbling. And he, he looked at me and said, son, pick you one out. Said, what do you mean? He said, there's one too many of us standing here, and I'm here to turkeys gobble. You pick you one out and go to, and I'm going to go to one over here. And that was, I was like, oh, my God. I You know, I was so used to hunt with Dad that that, that, that was, I didn't, know, I didn't know how to act. So I kind of – he said, go on, go. What was that? You go get that when I'm going to go here. And I was like, man, I just got kicked out the net. <laughs> this ain't cool, man. Daddy, come on, let me go with you. I always went with you. But I, I had learned a lot up to that point, and then I really started having to learn in. So I, I say that to say I think sometimes we try to make it too easy. We want to make it fun. But you don't want to make it too easy. You want kids to learn what turkey hunting, duck hunting, deer hunting, squirrel hunting, fishing. You want you want them to learn what it's all about. Take the good with the bad.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's, that's everything that we do. Let's let's, seg- let's segue a little bit, Jimbo, into um, – and Alex is going to look at me funny for i saying this because I beat a dead horse about the new upcoming changes for Georgia. How many changes have you seen – since you guys opened your, I wouldn't say eyes, but started opening up to this to see different states. Have you seen a lot of different states trying to implement new turkey rules and regulations?
3: I think think that was part of the impetus to start TFT is all the talk from people around the country that are turkey hunters, all the states trying to put their finger on things going on, um, I see we're still talking about decoys. I just read today. I, I, somebody from Alabama probably li- will listen to this, and, and they can get on here and straighten it out. But I think I read today where Alabama said no mechanical use of decoys and no fanning decoys in the state of Alabama really? for this year. Um, I think I read that. I need to look at it and be sure. But um, a lot of changes, and I think all the states are looking to what is going on. I, I think uh, – Everybody's trying to see what the issue is, um, especially your big turkey states. You know, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Missouri, uh, Kansas, they're all K- – Kentucky, Tennessee, they're all seeing declines. So they're all wanting to see what's going on. Um, and, and I think we should. I think we should look at that. And we should figure out where those problems lie. And that kind of falls back to the TFT. You know, what questions do we need to ask? What do we need to do to try to write this ship?
1: I think there's, I think there's bigger questions. We had Dave, we had Dave Owens on here a while back, Jim Bowen, and he, mm-hmm. and my, and I talked to him prior to the podcast and, and where the Georgia is looking to um, reduce the days by 14 days, go down to two weeks, move it from March to April. And they're looking to take us down from a three bag limit to a two bag limit. And I believe the other one may be, you can only kill one gobbler within the first 10 days. And I, and I didn't have a problem with that. But after talking to Dave, and Dave kind of said, well, we don't really need – that's not the problem. The, you know, we don't need to be shortening our days. If they take our days away from us, those are going to be less than days that we have. If they take that bird count away from us, that's going to be a less bird. He said, I don't think the bird count – and you can go back and listen to it and, and get – you can get a better understanding from how he put it. But – and and it made me see a better side of it. And, and I believe that Alabama's trying to do the same thing. I believe they're trying to take their birds down from five to three, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and his, his was the same way. He said, how many people do you know that are hunting um, Alabama and Georgia that are tagging out on all those birds? And, and, and it, made, it made a whole lot of sense to me.
3: Well, you know, I think it kind of goes back to what I was hitting on earlier. Let's go back and look at habitat. Let's see what's going on with habitat, other, other land use issues, and predators, both avian predators and ground nesting, ground nest robbers. You know,
1: yeah,
3: uh, ground based, four legged, right. furry kind. Uh, let's look at that, and and really let's identify where the problem is before we start just cutting seasons in half and cutting bag because. As you take away opportunity, you may take away interest. And if that's your if that's your goal as a game fish agency, well, that's fine. If you're wanting to reduce the opportunity and reduce your hunter numbers, well, that's a really good way to do it. So, I'm not saying you can't have too many. Because boy, last year I mean, I'm sure Dave would have said the same thing. With the COVID, there's a lot more people in the woods last year. People out enjoying our great outdoors, which is a good thing. So you now you come back to balance. Bottom line, to me, I think we need to identify the problem before we start reducing opportunities.
1: I think I think that's what Dave was getting at. We don't just need to be taking days away from us. If we start letting them take days away from us without getting the problem resolved, then that could be a bigger issue going down the road. We could, get, we could lose more days because we've already agreed on it before. When really, mm-hmm. you know, if we, you know, we don't have to go out and shoot all three turkeys here in Georgia. We don't have to tag out. Um, we don't have to, you know, we can go to different states and do fulfill that if we want to, and maybe take one from each state, or however we want to do it. You know, we can. We don't have to go out and shoot. We get twelve deer tags here in Georgia. We don't have to go out and shoot all twelve deer.
2: Nick, if your turkey season goes like your deer season, you ain't gonna kill no turkeys in Georgia.
1: <laughs> I didn't kill one last year. I just had a guide. So, <laughs> uh, well,
3: there you go. Uh, I think that's a great point, point. I think a little um, personal restraint goes a long way, also. Um, instead of you shooting that other turkey, maybe maybe go get that young man if you know you let him shoot one. You know, but at the same time, if we do it amongst ourselves without them telling us we have to do it, then we don't have new laws on the book, and then you got to fight to get it all back. Again, I'm I'm with y'all. I think we need to find these problems, identify them, and work towards fixing those problems, and then see what happens.
1: I think more people need to hear, like different sides of it than just what the states are telling us and I think they need to put more research into it another good point that I heard on another one of those podcasts the other day was you know somewhere like Georgia it opens a lot earlier than maybe some of your northern states so Georgia may be bringing in a lot more revenue and I keep using an example because we live here but we may be bringing in revenue for our department of natural resources from other states because people want to get down here and hunt earlier before their state opens so I don't know if they're thinking about that too, you know?
3: Well, uh, that's definitely part of it. You know, definitely Georgia is a destination state for turkey hunters. I, I, you'd have to go back and look at how many resident versus non-resident turkey licenses sold. Right. Um, a matter of fact, I am going to Georgia hunting this spring. My first trip this year is going to Georgia. Um, and I was kind of looking around yesterday on what the license cost was going to be and how to go about that. Uh, so you can look at that and see what that – balance is, if how many more residents and non-residents you had. And, you know, I hate to put an economic number on turkeys or wildlife of any kind. However, when you go back and look at the North American Wildlife Management Plan, those economics are based on $100. The economics that support all of our game and fish departments, departments, conservation, whatever everybody calls them, that all rides on hunters and fishermen's back. We have paid our own way. Um, and this is a public resource, a public trust. So we have paid our own way to get there and we're paying those fakes pay- as hunters and, and buying licenses and buying shotguns and ammo, sporting goods. Those tax dollars go directly to taking care of that resource. So we've, we've paid and paved our own way. So it's up to us to ask the questions to make sure we're doing it right. Right. And I also like to say that Even though you don't necessarily want to put the dollar on the wildlife, you have to, to a point, because that's what's paid away. The fact that people wanted to go turkey hunting, deer hunting, hog hunting, duck hunting, quail hunting. I mean, look at the quail hunting history in Georgia. My My daddy was a big-time bird hunter, bird dog man. You know, I always heard about Alabama and Georgia bird hunting. There's a lot to that. You know, people want to go enjoy that that and be a part of it so the people that did that helped pay the way for what y'all have now
0: Jimbo take me back a little bit now these boys got on turkey hunting for about the last 30 minutes and I want to hear where'd you get your first start in dogging as far as you know ducks or was it waterfowl you know of uh, any kind or, or what was it with dogs and stuff that, that really took off for you when you was a kid yeah
3: well see I, I was fortunate that I grew up in a hunting family um, you know, for us, it was, you know, it in school, it Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, we was we'd gone every day. And, and my mom hunted, my dad hunted. I can remember uh, getting up to go duck hunting the morning. Mom dropped me off, and I'd wait out and hunt somewhere or go goose hunting for a little while and come back. And she'd take and drop me off at school. Um, my dad was big into bird dogs at that time, and, and I loved retrievers. And that kind of turned me into the dog side of things um and, and why i enjoy the retriever games much in dogs and of course being a lifelong duck hunter um, you know having a, a faithful retriever by your side is, is a big thing i enjoyed bird dogs my daddy-in-law who's no longer with us was a big coon hunter i just like dogs you know and i like hunting and i like that companionship and partnership between a hunter and a dog as a duck hunter, I can't tell you how many times the dogs save the day or save me. Or I'm watching her; and she's telling me where the ducks are. You know, it's just that's just part of, I think, the game to me.
0: Well, and I take it that you know, hearing you tell all that about the dogs and stuff, you probably still got some dogs around
3: home now. Yeah, I do. Well, I've got a little foo foo dog at the house right now, <laughs> but uh, I've got a uh, uh, my main duck dog is with the trainer right now over in mississippi with tyler patterson at Maple ridge Retrievers. she is getting ready to run the spring hrc grant hopefully getting her fourth grand pass um she's got one master national pass and qualifies for this year's master national so looking forward to that and also got a pup out of her that's 10 months old hopefully he will be following in his mama's footsteps um but that, it, you know, there's a lot of people I've never done it That Over in East Virginia I, I read about Fall turkey hunting with dogs And I'd like to go see that sometime As being a dog person That would be A pretty cool combination Between a retriever And a flush dog And a pointing dog I think that'd be pretty fun And they
1: do that with turkeys, right?
3: Yeah, yeah That's <laughs> a big thing Like in Virginia <laughs> I've I never, heard, I never heard of that Really? You haven't? Oh man If, if y'all would You get a chance Google it, look it up um, about turkey dogs and fall turkey hunting the dogs. That is is, neat. I'll have to hear about that. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. But, yeah, thanks for asking that because being a passive turkey hunter and also enjoying the dog games, a lot of retriever games are done in the springtime. So you kind of get a bind. Are you you turkey hunting, cropping, fishing, or dog dog training in the springtime? Just what are you going to do? Man, you
0: you you hit the nail on the head there for me, uh, Jimbo, with that crappy fishing. So yeah, buddy. Y'all, y'all got some ones in Arkansas too.
3: We got some good ones. <laughs> yes, we got some good ones.
0: When do y'all generally fish for them? Is it winter time there, or is it in the spring?
3: Winter, late winter, early spring. It's fixing to ramp up here. If we get mm. some good weather the next few days, it will start happening.
0: That's where I believe that's where the world record current holders from state Arkansas. If it ain't, it's, it's March, close. Arkansas, Mississippi. Is it There's is
3: from Lake Lake Grenada or Sardis in Mississippi?
0: That is, and then it's over five pound by far.
3: I, I don't know if it's here. Now you're going to have me looking something else up.
1: <laughs> tell us, tell us your success through the through the duck world that we don't know nothing about duck hunting. I'm just going to be honest with you, Jimbo.
3: Well, man, that's that's all right. I can't hold that
1: against you. You got to realize we uh, live in Georgia. We we don't see many ducks fly by.
3: I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I began back to my deal. I grew up in a hunting family. Uh, my dad worked for a large construction company. So we got transferred around a lot, kind of within the southeast, you know, um, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, northeast Arkansas, kind of our home base there. So I kind of grew up recently. I wound up here. I've been here longer than I've been anywhere. And a lot of that was because of the duck hunting culture. But I spent a lot of time as a as a kid in the Mississippi River bottoms of West Kentucky uh, in Northwest Tennessee, and just you know Dab's a big duck hunter and bird hunter and just fell in love with it and and that was kind of my start uh, of course killed my first turkey I was nine that was another big thing um and just it's stuck to me ever since it's what I always wanted to do. I can remember I was a little short fat kid dad put all the the duck calls and group calls and turkey calls on top of his gun cabinet and I couldn't get to him. So I got to messing around there and I got to where I could kind of halfway um, do some natural voice calling of, of geese and I'd take my hand and try to call like a duck and uh, I'd try to yelp like a turkey. never was very successful with that with my natural voice but but I tried and I heard, but finally thought said, well I can't cut his head or his hand off so I reckon I'd give him back to him. So that kind of spawned my interest in the calling sports. Um, I played around in the turkey calling world just a little bit. Um, I was mediocre successful, um, but really enjoyed duck calling. Might have been because I was successful at it. Wound up winning a couple US Opens, Grand National, and World Championship duck calling contest. Um, and, and still very one foot in that side of things, one foot in the turkey side of things, but still very um, active. In, in in not competing so much, but in the them world, of course, I work for a call company and develop calls and get to blow on duck and goose calls stuff every day. You so ever, that's kind of that. You
0: ever run into any of them old Robinson boys down in Louisiana that everybody wants to talk about?
3: Yeah, I've run on them every now and again. Run on Phil, Dave, Martin, all them guys on case.
0: Is Phil, is Phil now, and, and I've, I've always wanted to ask somebody this because I've never had the, you know, what I would consider a privilege of meeting a godly man as Phil is. Is he is just plain Jane as he is on TV in real life?
3: What you see is what you get. And, you know, I can't tell you that I know him well. Um, I've seen him a few times. I shook his hand. Um, he may or may not recognize me, but I can tell you the times I've been around him in person is. What you see, like at a sports show, working a booth at a, at at an event, he's the same guy there as you see on TV. That's
0: good, and I kind of
3: like that about it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You, yeah, I've always wondered that uh, if he was as, you know, down home, just good old good old fella as he seems to be, and he's always he's kept that same even keeled cloth about him as as long as I've known of him.
3: Yeah, and that, uh, he stuck with it. You know, no Facebook. Instagram, no phone, but yes they do it. They do a big podcast. So I mean he's not totally anti um, <laughs> uh uh what do you call it? Anti social media. <laughs> yeah, he's not totally anti social media because he's a big part of it.
1: Yeah. Well let's let's back back up just a little bit. Alex got ahead of me here a little bit.
3: What where are
1: you going hunting in Georgia? Or what part? You ain't gotta say where.
3: Um I'm not hundred percent sure. Fat more south of Georgia. Oh. Um it's an invite through a buddy, one of my duck hunting buddies, have some buddies there come up here duck hunting every year, and I've gone with them time or two. They've come with us, and we've had them on some pretty good hunts. And they've extended the invite the past three years, and I just haven't been able to make it. So this year, I'm going to make it to Georgia turkey hunt.
1: Well, I hope they can get you on some. How's that?
3: What's the out of state license
1: fee? Is
3: it- you know, I've been trying to figure that out. You got to buy a hunt license, and then you got to buy a big game something or other. It's looking like it's a couple hundred dollars, but I don't have it all. GeorgiaWildlife.com, That's
0: right. Yeah, I don't even remember what it did. Yeah, with. Now yeah, it's I, went up in the last I little think, bit. Uh, probably close three hundred dollars. I
1: think it's pretty fair. It's pretty easy, you know, compared to other states trying to get stuff. It ain't no draw system. I think it's just over the everything. No, over it's the over
3: the counter tag. Yeah, yeah. that's no problem.
1: Is Arkansas over the counter for turkeys? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Sure I, enough, how is. is the
1: turkey population in Arkansas? I don't never hear much Not, about
3: it. Not as good as y'all. At one time we were one of the country's leaders, but now we're we're like everybody else, we're hurting and we've got, you know, parts of the state don't have great habitat. Other parts of the state had decent habitat and everybody's trying to go, hmm, what's going on? Now within that we have some hot spots and places that they're doing really well. We have some areas that turkeys are doing really well. They're just not overall doing as well as we'd like for them to do.
1: Yeah. How about do you guys you guys ever go up to Missouri much?
3: Yep. Yep. We do. We get up there a good bit. My wife's up there. Got several good friends up there. I they're lived there for a little while. They're loaded uh, with turkeys, aren't they? Yeah, they're not as loaded as they used to be, but they're, yeah. they are they have a lot of opportunity and they shoot, still have a lot of turkeys. Now, did
1: you guys get a big brunt um, of that ice storm that just came through?
3: Man, we had it might be the coldest I've ever seen it here. We got up one morning, the week before last now. I want to say not last week, he went before, it was like negative four. And we had like 15 or 16 inches of snow on the ground. That's got to be what it's like to be in North Dakota or somewhere.
1: Well, I was going to say, I was going to say maybe Arkansas and I know probably Texas, that's probably going to hurt the t- turkey population itself.
3: One thing, the one, the good news is it, it was short lived and they're pretty resilient critters. They're, they're going to get at, their Mother Nation is going to take care of them. And, Fact that it didn't last terribly long, I'm going to say we're going to be okay. Be I, there was no doubt some loss. we, you know. We, of course, we're big duck country around here in this part of the state. There's been some, we've lost some ducks, mostly you know green winged tails, smaller body birds, um, ducks that may have been injured or sick. what we lost some of them, um, songbirds around my house. I live in little old patchy woods. And I thought my cat had just been on a rage and tear, but we had lost several birds. Just due to the cold, um, that that happens. But I think it, I think it got out of here, warmed up quick enough. In in a week time, it went from being below zero to seventy degrees. So I think we got thawed quick enough. I don't think we had a huge turkey loss. There. Well,
1: let's, let's hope not for those those states. Now Arkansas is all eastern, correct? Correct. Yeah. Have you killed all four species?
3: I have not. You know, I've been turkey hunting forever, and that's not something I've ever. Um, sure, if I ever get the opportunity to shoot that last one, a whitey, I'll happily do it, but I'm not the guy that goes and chases the slam. Them. Um, you know, if I can hunt close to home and shoot plenty of turkeys in a day's drive, I'm happy. <laughs> right. uh, that being said, as I get more time, it's cool to see like what Dave Owens and them guys do, you know, shoot a turkey in either state. I mean, that's really, really cool. I just, I just want to go turkey hunting. You know, I don't have to go chase them all over the country. Yeah. Although given the opportunity, I will.
1: I'll tell you something, and, and I don't, did I, I? don't even know if I said this. Dave, Dave was on that podcast the other day, and and it made a lot of sense to him. And and, and I don't know if I'll get to do it, and and I, but he said, "What if everybody that killed a turkey went out and set a trap and got rid of one nest predator for every turkey they killed?" There you go. It made a lot of sense. So, I'm gonna kind of what
3: we talked about earlier. You that's, know, what when you ask what what can you do close to home?
1: That's right. Uh, I mean, we can – I would like to see, though, that – I would like to see what she's talking about, Cody, with those pelts and stuff and see if there's a – somewhere nearby Georgia or if those people are just travelers that come and do that. So maybe we can get that on board.
3: I think that's a wonderful idea, fellas. I made a note of it, and I'm going to talk to the folks that I know within our, within our organization to get their thoughts on that, that are big-time trappers. I'll tell
0: you something else that would help out there that, that I'd like to see hit Arkansas is, uh legalization of being able to use thermal scopes to hunt predators at night with. I know that's something that's been in legislation a few times over the last few years that we've checked into because I've got some friends that hunt out there, and they, they, they can't hunt them there with the thermals like we can use here in Georgia.
3: I've got a nephew. It, it's good. That's a good question. He was showing me his rig the other day. He came in to see my dad um he manages a big farm up and he works for a guy up in illinois and manages his farm up there it's a big deer hunting operation um and they're hard they, they get after the coyote big time and he's got a thermal setup up thermal binoculars and he was showing me that and i said man that that's slick for shooting for if you're going to get after the coyote and doing what you're doing that for hogs that would be a great deal
0: yeah, and I've, I've seen it come up a few times in discussion on forums and things like that why there is more states that are getting on board with it through legislation. Tennessee's one of them that it's in legislation right now, hopefully going to be signed into a law that it's going to be allowed to be used there. So maybe some of these other states will see it. I'll be honest with you here, we're seeing a decline in the, turkey, excuse me, the coyote population, and I think it's based on the number of people that are hunting them. There is more people getting out there and taking more of them out. I mean, they're just not, they're not here. We, five years ago, you could go just about every night and kill a coyote. Now you're lucky if you go one or two nights in our area mm-hmm. and see one. I mean, it's just, they're not here like they used to be. And I'll argue with anybody that they're just, they're not here like they once was. And we're seeing more turkeys. Yep. We're seeing more rabbits. We're seeing more yep. of those animals come back. Cause it's like you said earlier, Jimbo, the balance is kind of being restored in all of that. And that's a good thing. And-
3: that is a good thing, but I bet you get a little imbalanced in, in like we talked skunks, coons, possums, armadillos, because you know that's big coyote food also. So then that then you're increasing your nest predators. Then so Absolutely. you know again it's all about balance. But coyotes are they take a toll on turkeys for sure. So that might be why y'all are doing good in some areas.
0: I've never seen turkeys on our property up until the last three years. My neighbor trapped 54 coyotes in two in two seasons off of his property and i've never seen turkeys on our place until the last I almost say the last three years they've started coming back in full force and i'm glad to see it but as you said my trail cameras are saying that there's more coons than there's ever been yes. you know you got you got coons sitting there getting fat as hogs because there ain't nobody running them with dogs anymore so i guess it's fi- time to find a little balance on that 22 rifle and fire up a walker and see if we
1: can't get on with you <laughs> there you go <laughs> What about the uh, bass fishing? I don't, I don't want to leave Alex out of this. And how's the oh bass gosh. fishing out there?
3: <laughs> Man, it can be great. Um, we, we've got some really cool lakes and river systems to to, uh, to fish. It's something that I enjoy to do. Again, I, uh, between turkeys and dogs and my regular job, um, it's uh, it's sometimes hard to get time to go fishing. But I just like to go chunk and wind, even if I catch anything or not. <laughs> <laughs> but in our part of the world right here in the Stuttgart area, we've got a lot of uh, water retention reservoirs for irrigating rice and crops and a lot of those have some fantastic fishing in them that's awesome well
1: Jimbo as we're wrapping up here man got a couple more questions for you all wrap up with and let these guys go around the table um, what's, a, what's a piece of advice you'd share with someone you learned along the journey in the outdoor world
3: leave it like you found it if the gate shut, shut it behind you. If the gate's open, leave it open. Um, don't throw your trash in the woods. Try to get in and get out without making much of an impact.
1: There you go. Great, great answer. That is awesome. Yeah, uh, you I just like na- you just named
0: the episode there with that one, Jimbo. It usually takes to the end. But you you named it right there. Leave it
1: like you found it. Cool. Um, what are you most thankful for, Jimbo?
3: Man. Family, friends, and a, a good dog and the opportunity to enjoy God's woods and water. There you
1: go. Another great answer. Well, Jimbo, I really do appreciate it. Is there anyone that you'd like to give a shout-out to as we're closing this thing out?
3: Man, I just give a shout-out. to If y'all get the chance, please go to turkeysfortomorrow.org to learn about us. You, if you've if got an extra little bit in your pocket and you can put some more our directions, We'll, we'll appreciate it. 80% of everything comes to us is going to go back to the wild turkey resource. Um, that's We set that up in our bylaws. That that's how we're going to do things. So um, we want to do right by the folks that help us and do right by the resource that we all get to love and enjoy. So, it, it, again, if you can, go to turkeysfortomorrow.org and check us out. Learn about us if you got any questions. Um, hit me up, I'm happy to answer them for you there's places in there you can go and ask questions, you can get on our social media pages um, uh, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter and somebody will get to you as soon as we can
1: That's awesome man, thank you so much Jimbo for coming on thank you for what you guys started and, and uh, tell Mr. Uh, Ron Jolly the same thing and I hope you have a good year turkey hunting and we'll try to get you back on at the end of the season and circle We're back right around see yeah see how it went so I'm going to pass this thing around the table and let these guys um see what they got to say Thank you Yes sir thank you:
2: yeah I just appreciate you coming on and I appreciate what y'all are, um, what y'all are striving to do as an avid tur- as an avid turkey hunter so um, I'll have to get on there and definitely read more about y'all and um, we'll help out any way we can on our side of the world over here if you need anything
0: let us know.
3: Most appreciated. Likewise, just stay in touch with us, man. We're happy to help you out. here. we can't.
0: Jim, you still do uh, you still do guided turkey or excuse me, duck hunts, correct?
3: I do not. I, oh. I'm no longer in the guide business. I okay. do not now. I do guide some on one of our private places here. That's kind of an invite deal. Um, I, I don't guide full time because of my other job, you know, producing TV. Um, but I I appreciate you asking though.
0: Do you got somebody that you would suggest in your area?
3: Yeah, there's, there's several in the area. The best way to do is get on the uh, Stuttgart Chamber of Commerce website and look up the hunting guide, and there are several there. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple come to mind. Uh, Stuttgart Shooting Club, Twix, would be one come to mind. Five Oaks would be another. Um, they're probably already full to be perfectly honest but there's several guys around that do it, offer a good job work hard and do the best they can for their customers
0: yeah i just wanted to give an opportunity there because i've had some guys ask me if we knew anybody in out that way that did some duck hunting and of course we don't but we always want to extend the opportunity to help anybody you we bet. can out
3: there we get i get a lot of people you know they'll start hitting me up shoot me uh uh email about um you know who to hook up with or who to talk to about trying to get a hunt book and actually um be quick the people right now is the time to start looking even if folks aren't booking hunts yet because we don't know what the season dates are going to be getting on their radar goes a long way because the better outfits book up really quick if they're not booked up already
0: That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I mean, as Nick said, it's been a privilege to talk with you and and learn what you, I'm not a turkey hunter myself, but it's always enlightening to see, see what everybody's opinion on what things are and how things are going and, you know, get a difference of opinions. We're, we're all hunters out here and we all want to strive to get, you know, get the best we can out of things. So we definitely appreciate you coming on. Nick, you got anything else?
1: No, I think I'm good, man.
0: All right, well, everybody, Jim Ronquist with Turkeys for Tomorrow and R&T Calls. We can't thank you enough, Jimbo, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you real soon.
3: Thank you, gentlemen. Enjoyed the time I spent with you. Thanks, Jimbo. Thanks, man. Have a good yes, one. sir. Y'all right. have a good night. All right, bye-bye.
0: All right, everybody, as I said, that was Jim Ronquist with Turkeys for Tomorrow. Just a good old guy like we are, just likes to sit around and chew the fat, and he's a guy, hey, I'd love to get in get in person with him, maybe running one of these shows or whatever that's going on in, in the southeast.
1: Dang it. I meant to ask him if he'd guide me on a turkey hunt out there.
0: He probably would. He probably would. You reach out to him at the right way and talk just right. You would probably get on anything you want, Nick. <laughs> I can't trade him a duck hunt, so. <laughs> Well, you might could. we take him over and put him <laughs> on the pond at Mama's and see what he can catch flying over. We can throw some ducks around, pretend like it's a good. This the best duck hunting pond that's in the, in the whole Southeast. You're going to see a bunch. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes in, though, if it's cold, I'm going to be at the house eating biscuits. Uh, what you got, Nick? Anything for you wanna, before we close this thing out? Nope. Cody? I'm good. You <laughs> good? Sorry. I thought you was going with something there for me. No. Cody? no i don't I don't have anything well like I said at the beginning of the episode it was good to have the guy on and uh we sure appreciate it we're going through a few changes over here trying to make some some new things happen we got some exciting guests in the future coming up here so stick with us we hope you do we hope you come back and uh if there's anything you want to hear us talk about hey don't forget as I said all along shoot us a message on any of the social media platforms you can find us on any of them I ain't going through them all Nick hates it when I do but uh do want to give a shout out to our guys over at Southeast Wildlife Innovations for continuing to support us there. We got a huge thing coming with a partner of ours in Genesis Wildlife Group. and Those guys over there, you see us hashtagging Vengeance Camo, man, y'all ain't missing out for much longer. We got something coming with that we can't wait to share with you guys. So for everybody here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank you for following along in this journey with us. We want to invite you back next time to listen to us ramble and rant for whatever we got going on. So y'all remember smile as you go and don't forget mountain memories.